Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to A Minute with Coach Riggs. Former T.R. Miller head football coach Jamie Riggs shares his views on all aspects of football after a 40-year Hall of Fame high school career. Coach Riggs and his guests will discuss the latest on the local high school and college teams, the current issues that are dominating high school, college, and NFL football, as well as reliving some of the classic moments and history of the game with the people that made it happen. This is A Minute with Coach Riggs. I want to welcome you to another episode of A Minute with Coach Riggs. This is actually uh, starting season two of this podcast. Uh, this is the first episode of the second season here in August. We are still in the midst of the top 25 T.R. Miller football teams of all time. And so tonight we're going to talk about the number 13 team of all time. And before we do that, I am going to um, I am going to kind of read off where we are to this point. And uh, go back through numbers 25 through number 14 just to kind of refresh everybody a little bit. And it has been, remember, if you'll remember, we, we started this about six months ago with the idea that we were going to do a top 10. Well, there were too many good teams, so we decided to go to a top 25. So I'm going to read those these things off, then I'll give number 13, and then we will. I'll introduce our guest for tonight, and we'll start talking about the 13th greatest team of all time. So here we go. The uh, number 25 T.R. Miller football team of all time is the 1951 T.R. Miller Tigers. They went 91, were coached by Hal White, the number 24 team of all time. is the 1973 Miller Tigers. Uh, they went 10-2, and two, and they were coached by Frank Cott. 23 uh, team of all time is the 2022 T.R. Miller Tigers. They had a 10-2 and two record last year, coached by Brent Hubbard. The number 22 team of all time is the 1977 T.R. Miller Tigers, coached by Frank Cotton. They were 91 and did not make the playoffs. The number 21 team of all time is the 1940 T.R. Miller Tigers. All right, they were. They their record was um, seven one and one. They were coached by Ben McLeod and they gave up 14 points the entire year. The number 20 team of all time is the 1964 Miller Tigers. They went 8-1-1, one and, one, and they were coached by Daryl Fitz. The number 19 team of all time is the 2001 T.R. Miller Tigers. They went 12-2. They were a state semifinalist. They were coached by Jamie Riggs. The number 18 team of all time is the 1986 team that went 12-2. They were a state finalist. And they were coached by Mike Sasser. The number 17 team of all time is the 1996 T.R. Miller Tigers. Uh, they went 13-2. and two. They were a state finalist coached by Jamie Riggs. The number 16 team of all time, the 1984 4A state champion T.R. Miller Tigers, 12-3 record coached by Mike Sasser. The number 15 team of all time was the 2002 state champions, 3A state champions, 11-3 record coached by Jamie Riggs. That was the number 15 team. And the number 14 team of all time is the 2004 T.R. Miller Tigers, 12-1 record. They're one of 10 Miller teams that have gone undefeated throughout the uh, regular season. 
they were coached by Jamie Riggs. And so now we are ready to go with the number 13 team of all time. And the number 13 team is the 1983 T.R. Miller Tigers. They had a record of 91. They were coached by Mike Sasser. Their only loss was to state champion Scambia County. We lost to Atmore that year 20 to nothing. Um, Atmore ended up with a record of 13 and 2 and won the whole thing. But in the playoff era of that time, we did not even make the playoffs. The team had a quality, quality group of seniors, plus a good group of juniors who were a big part of the 1984 state champions. The 83 team also has been an interesting discussion down through the years. Were they better than the 84 state champions? And we'll get to that here in a little bit. The 83 team ran well and was led by an outstanding senior offensive skill group, quarterback Jeff Chamberlain, running back Steve Lane and Mitch Lewis, tight end Lee Mark Sellers. The offensive line was solid all year. Eric Bryant was the center. The guards were seniors, uh, excuse me, senior Timmy Thomas and junior Kyle Ferguson. The tackles were uh, seniors Buck Adam, Bucky Adams and Dean Harris. The receivers were James Weaver, Pop Daniels, and Richard Culliver. The defense was led by an aggressive group of defensive linemen. The nose guard was Tom Ogletree, along with Timmy Thomas. The tackles were senior Brad Grice, who had a great year, Randolph Harris, and Chris Joyner. George Monroe, Michael Herbert, and Bart Till all played linebacker. And the defensive ends, and this was a wild crew, was Dwayne Hammock and Michael Coleman. What a group that was. Uh, the uh, secondary, we had two seniors that led the secondary. Strong safety, Robbie Cott, and cornerback, John Brown. Junior Steve Jennings at free safety, and David Britton at quarter rounded out the defense. This Miller team beat some good opponents in some close games defeating a good Greenville team 24-22 on the road, Monroe County 18-12, and W.S. Neal 21-6. They were ranked as high as number five in Class 3A. Scoring average, we averaged 27.8 points per game. We gave up 15.4. So the scoring differential there is 12.4 points per game. And there are some people who believe that this was the best team of the 1980s. And the other coaches on the staff were offensive line coach Donnie Roch. The defensive coordinator was, well, that was me, Jamie Riggs. And we had James Jones who coached offensive line and defensive end. So David Jennings, the 1983 team, is one of your favorite teams. And we're happy to have a couple of guests with us. David Jennings being one and the other, a member of the 1983 team, Robbie Cotton. So, DJ, tell us about the 83 group. Coach, I remember when, when you hatched this idea, and, of course, it, it immediately excited me. I, I think the first thing I said was the 83 team better be on it and they better <laughs> be high. And certainly, you know, coming in at 13, that's pretty high. I would, I would argue, and I would argue it forever, that they should be higher. And that's one of the beauties about this, and we, we've said it many times each time we've gotten together, that we're so fortunate to have a school that you can have a discussion about this. I mean, there's so many teams should be considered, so many teams can be slotted. I think you can find 15 different people that would come up with 15 different lists, 
and nobody would be wrong. But the 83 team, I was a manager on that team. That was the last year that I was a manager. I was a manager on uh, Coach Cotton's last team. And, of course, Coach Sasser was part of that transition team when Coach Sasser came in. But the 83 team was unbelievable. You know, you, you just reeled off several of the accolades. And I, I want to defer to Robbie here uh, very quickly. But it was uh, one of the, a couple of things that stood out to me about that bunch. You mentioned the playoff era. That was the last year of four classifications. T.R. Miller goes 9-1 and doesn't even make the playoffs. You know, it would have been one year later, six classifications, four teams from each region in the playoffs. I have no doubt that we win that thing going away. I think it would have been five blowouts in the playoffs. Another thing from that team that that always stood out to me was in those days, you had to play 16 quarters to letter. And, of course, in 10 games, that, 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 equates to four full games in a team in a 10 game schedule that's tough to do especially with as competitive a schedule as we had and there was not a sophomore on that team that lettered at the end of the year they did not go to the awards banquet they did not get a letter and it wasn't because they weren't good players is because we were so deep with our senior and junior class a lot of those sophomores who didn't letter were very key players next year on the championship team. Kevin Ladner, the quarterback, Thad Moore, uh, Chris Peterson, Eric Cole, Donald Howell, several others, a lot of good football players, but they couldn't get on the field. I mean, we were probably too deep at every position with seniors and juniors, and that thing got kicked off in Greenville, that uh, that opening game. Greenville was fantastic. Uh, I think you could make an argument they might have been better than Atmore, who won the whole thing. But I just remember, and of course, this, this was the way it was for, for a lot of T.R. Miller teams down through the years. It was like you were a part of a rock band. When you went on the road, this entire community went with you. I remember being on the bus with the football team, and, and that was a highlight for me being a manager, just getting to be on the bus with the team, and you pull up, and half of Bruton is at the, uh, the, at the, at the stadium wherever we're playing. Uh, it was just, it, it, it was a great time. It was a great team. It was great people. They were all high character people. I was, you know, 13, uh, 14 at the time. And to be around Robbie Cotton, to be around Jeff Chamberlain, to be around Lee Mark Sellers, to be around Steve Lane, Mitch Lewis, you name it. I mean, they were just positive role models. You know, as as a young guy, you said, I want to do what they're doing. I want to be like them. And they did it in a way that it was just, it was just the way it was in those days. And and it was a, it was a great time to be a kid. It was a great time to, to cheer for T.R. Miller and be a part of it, and I love the team. But I certainly want to defer to Robbie and let him let him speak a, a little more specifically about some of the games and some of the moments and, and some of the plays that made that season so special. So I'll, I'll defer to you, Lick. Well, DJ, Coach, I appreciate the opportunity to be on tonight. But uh, going back to uh, my sophomore year, so I may have a little hard time of remembering everything for my senior year because my sophomore year – I took a beating, and I think all of you uh, were aware of that. I, I, I was an assistant coach at Op. You took a beat. Yeah. I, was glad, I was glad to make it uh, to my senior year. Actually, I asked my dad after the sophomore year could I quit, and there was – I mean, he said no. So that's the only reason I played the last two years. But uh, we had a great time, and, you know, the, I can remember a lot of things about our team, but uh, – and uh, DJ always – he still jokes with me about it. We had a good time. I mean, we had a good time everywhere we went. I bet we were one of the loosest teams to ever play at T.R. Miller. I mean, we just we, – we were loose. We cut up before the game and during the game, and uh, especially down below the stadium in the locker room down there. Uh, man, we turned the lights out and just have a good time. But, 
But DK, you brought up that the Greenville game. That was one of the best games I've ever been a part of. And um, I, I, I didn't have a big part in it, but I was on the field some and uh, had a good time. And, you know, I remember uh, we, we, we ended up going to the hospital after the game. You remember that, DJ? I do. Remember it well. Uh, but, you know, I think uh, Brad Grice hyperventilated during that game when we won. He just went crazy, and we all started celebrating. And then uh, uh, was it John Brown that broke um, George Monroe's ribs when he came yep. in on a pile and all? But uh, the funniest thing about that game, though, after we won, is, uh, you know, the fans threw the mace in the bus and got in Tom Ogletree's eyes and somebody else's eyes. And we pulled up, you know, we go to the hospital, we pull up to the hospital, and then all of a sudden, here comes a cheerleader van over there. So old Ferg, all of a sudden, he just falls out. Like, he's got mace all over him, so he gets walked right by the cheerleaders into the emergency room, and we never let him uh, hear the end of that one. That was that was one of the funniest things that ever happened uh, on that, that season to me. But, uh, but then, you know, we played throughout the year, and we had some big wins, and then, uh, you know, we played Atmore down there, Really close game. We we uh, I believe it was zero zero going into halftime. It was, you know, and we we almost scored right before half, and uh, we didn't. And then we come out second half, and they score a couple times, and I believe they punched it in one more time. The last play of the game, maybe to beat us twenty to nothing. And um, but we didn't, um, you know, we didn't out and uh, give up. We finished the season strong and and beat Neil. Uh, what was it, twenty one to six or something like that. And um, so we, we just had a great time together and uh, a lot of great people, DJ. You mentioned it. And uh, a lot of good people that have gone on to be uh, very, very successful in life. And um, so uh, and we still touch bases with one another uh, every now and then. And um, uh, and then I think on the sad thing about it, I look, look to some of the list of the guys on the team. There's some of them not with us today. Um, you know, um, uh, Richard Culver, uh, Dwayne Hammock, uh, Yancey Jernigan, uh, they were on that team, you know, and I'm probably missing a few, but, um, you know, that's the sad thing about it when you look back, uh, what was this, um, uh, 40 years ago. And, uh, so, uh, but we had a lot of good time and, uh, and I think, and I hope we made our mark on TR Miller football and, uh, and it's just really just proud to be a TR Miller Tiger. Well, I'll tell you, Lick, I want, I want to go back to that Atmore game. And uh, I remember, you know, in the early 80s, or, or that particular year anyway, we played Atmore either the sixth or the seventh game of the season. So it was kind of a build-up to that one. We were undefeated going into it. You know, they actually lost the week before we played them. Do you remember that? Uh, yes, that's right, but I can't remember who they lost to. I think it was Thomasville. I, I don't know how. Yeah, hey, Thomasville. guys, they lost to Evergreen. Evergreen, okay, Evergreen, Evergreen. and Evergreen. everybody was shocked. How they lost to Evergreen was amazing. But, but anyway, I, I remember the buzz with that, that Atmore, and, and Coach can certainly speak to this as well. And, and Robbie, you can too. Being you know with Coach Cotton all those years, the Atmore Miller game was as big as there was. I mean, I remember my daddy and Billy Joe Griffin and Scotty Byrne, when the game was down there, that was their trip. They would always go together. You know, when I, when I got old, old enough to go, they start taking me. Then, of course, I became a manager and later later a player. But the Atmore-Miller game was the game on the schedule. I'm not saying you look forward to playing it every year, but it was going to be a big one. And I remember the community buzzing that year. And I remember, you know, the folks here in Bruton, we couldn't get down to Atmore quick enough to get it kicked off with them. And it was a war. And they had some dudes. 
I mean, most of them played in the SEC. Yes. I mean, that, that, that's the night that Greg Staples, who was an all-conference defensive back at Auburn, hit Steve Lane on the punt when the, before the ball had come down. You know, Ooh, that, a, yeah. A cheap shot. It was a cheap shot, but it was uh, yeah. it was real. It was, it was almost killed him. I mean, it, almost, it almost killed the guy. And I remember, you know, going in at the half and thinking, man, this is going down the wire. And then you're, you are correct. Atmore did score one late. I think to kind of rub our nose in it a little bit. Um, but it, it was it was much closer than the twenty to zero score. If we get the score up before the half, who knows what happens? But you know that that was a uh, that was a war. And then the, the, another game that stood out to me in that year was the uh, was the Robertsdale game. Uh, I, that I, that no, I take that back. That was your junior year when, when we had the trouble down at Robertsdale. So I, yeah, I, 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 I won't that, get into that. But that, yeah, that's, that's right. That's a game. But I'm, going back to the Neil game and Coach and I have talked about this before. You know, in, in the 70s and up in the early 80s, before it went to six classifications and now seven classifications, that Miller-Neal game was the last game of the year, obviously in the regular season. And you knew at that point, for the most part, if you were in the playoffs or not. And, of course, we knew that we were out. Uh, Neil certainly knew they were out, as, as many teams before them did. So everybody on the field knew – with the exception of a couple, this is the last tackle football game I'm ever going to play in. That's and right. You talking about everybody letting it hang out and everybody going at it one more time. I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that the Terry Miller-Neal games are not intense now. They certainly are. Some of the best games we've had with them were in the 90s. I mean, I'll remember those the rest of my life. But it was a little different when everybody knew this is it. And, and, and the way everybody went at each other that one last time and it was over with, I remember the intensity around that game, wanting to win that game. And they had a pretty good team that year. Uh, they certainly they, did. Yeah. They were, I, I don't know what their win-loss record was, but they had some dudes over there too. But th- that 83 team, I'm just telling you, was, uh, the, y'all, y'all were great. Uh, I would have you, I, I certainly think you're the best team in the eighties and, and, and you were, you were not fair to yourself. You were a big part of it. Um, uh, I think as much as anything, uh, you embodied what PR Miller football was about. You know, maybe not, maybe not the biggest, maybe not the strongest, maybe not the fastest, but you can still play as hard as you can play for as long as you can play. And I remember watching you do that, uh, uh, as your teammates did too. But y'all were, y'all were, y'all were bigger than life to me. And, and, and the way you presented yourselves, like I said, the way you carried yourselves, it, uh, it was just it was model citizens for younger people, and, and, and I hope that is something that still goes on up there. I'm not as close to the program as I as I once was. I know it was that way, you know, to, to while Coach Riggs was up there, and I was doing the ball games for him. But it was uh that was both those were great days, man. I mean, great days. Well, DJ, you, you brought up something that I forty years, you know, later I still think about something Coach Riggs used to do before every game we'd get in the deep, the defense in there and he'd get us all huddled up and and he'd call us out by name and, and i'll never forget he'd just go down one by one and he'd say ogletree and you know coach ray's got he's slob, uh, spitting everywhere when he's talking and <laughs> just getting us fired up he's a very good motivator he'd say ogletree you shouldn't be out here playing tonight because you're too slow you're too fat or you know whatever he just you know, knock you down just a second. And he said, but you're out here because you got a heart. And I'll just never forget that. He said, you won't give up. And that's the way Coach Riggs used to motivate us as a defense. And I still put that into place in every day in life. When things aren't like they should be, you know, you got to have heart to get, get going through there. So uh, 
Uh, and I felt like that's the way our whole team played. Um, that, you know, we had Lee Mark Sellers, we had Mitch Lewis, um, you know, those, uh, and, and that, those were probably our two best athletes besides myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, no, those were our two best athletes who, you know, went to, uh, Troy and Auburn and then, uh, Richard Culliver and John Brown, they walked on at Troy, but we didn't have really that many superstar athletes. We were just a lot of. I guess you'd say blue-collar guys that went out there and put it all together and played together well. I, I don't recall anybody having uh, any beef with one another. We all got along, and like I said before, we had fun, and, and uh, it just all clicked, you know. And um, so, uh, but, Well, I'll tell you, play, playing off that, and you're talking about, you know, T.R. Miller and, and, and kind of what defines our school and, and our program, another player uh, in, that, in that same line of thought, Bucky Adams. You know, Bucky yeah. got very little playing time as a sophomore or junior. He basically served three years to get to play one. And, and that's a pretty tough commitment for anybody to make. You know, we, we were talking that's about right. how hot it is out here right now. Bucky goes out there and plays scrap team as a sophomore. Uh, probably you know, got some second team reps as a junior. Not a ton of, of, of playing time. In his senior year, he's a full-time starter and strong tackle. It was great. You know, he and Lee Mark on that strong side punished a lot of people. But for him to make that commitment – not to be in the limelight, not to have any headlines, not to get any playing time, so to speak, quality playing time, and to, and to stay the course, to understand that this is a process, I'm going to wait my time, or when I get my opportunity, I'm going to make the most of it. I think that's a credit to him, and that's kind of what has been bred in that program up there over the years. You know, everybody's not going to be the All-American. You know, that's right. There's a, there's a role for everybody that wants to pay the price. I would say the same about Brad Grice. You know, Brad Grice was probably recognized, historically speaking, as a better basketball player than football player. He was a great basketball player, T.R. Miller. I'm telling you right now, if you didn't watch Brad Grice play basketball, you missed you, you missed a treat. He was really, really good. But he was good on that football field. He certainly he, was. He, he was a tackle. I mean, he was kind of tall and, and a little lanky, kind of rangy, so to speak, but played his heart out. And they were just, I don't know, you guys, uh, I think one of the things that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle when you're evaluating teams are the teams that y'all played. Now, now T.R. Miller's a school, plays Atmore, plays Monroeville, played Greenville, played Evergreen, played all the same teams down through the years. But go back to those schools and look at when they had their best teams. I would I would tell you, they, they would tell you this, Greenville's best team from the early 80s. Atmore's very best team from the early 80s. Monroeville's very best team from the early to mid-80s. Ops' best team from the early 80s. And that's who y'all drove every week. There was no that's week right. off. There was no, there was no weeks off. That was done. Yeah, and, uh, and that senior year we we played uh, UMS and Pike County also. Yeah, UMS and Pike County. That's exactly and, right. And off. It was uh, it, there was no weeks off. There was there was there was no guineas in the deal. And uh, if you were going to say you had a gimme, it might have been Evergreen, and somehow they beat that more. I, I I'd have to see the film of that game to understand understand how that happened but i guess it got at more's attention because they went on a run shortly thereafter yeah well coach sent me a, uh, a couple of notes here to look back because i couldn't remember all this but our non-area games were jackson ums pike county robertsdale and on that's pretty strong that's pretty strong <laughs> yeah <laughs> who'd we I mean, play who we play for homecoming that year uh you remember I, I'm not sure. Probably Robertsdale. That's in the middle of the year there, so that's probably who we played. Cause we played uh, Atmore, Evergreen, 
on the road, and then Op was our next to last game. So probably Robertsdale. I tell you something else, Robbie. That you know how that season got kicked off, and this has happened to a lot of Miller teams. This happened to this year's Miller team. One of our projected starters, uh, we lost to a knee injury. Hot shot Dassinger, you know, was, was, was going to be the center, and he was actually set to have a big year. Had come off a good yeah. spring, his body had kind of physically matured over a couple of years. He was another one that had not played a lot of football as a sophomore and junior, but he was primed to be the guy as a senior, and Eric Bryant was going to be over defensive tackle. Eric That's Bryant right. won that job in the spring, and then shot goes down. So Bryant has to come over to center and kind of reshuffle a little bit. So, you know, I'm not sure that we ever put our best 11 on the field just because injury took that away from us. But there was uh, a kind of changing course, so to speak, uh, after the lineup had kind of been set coming out of spring training. Yeah, there's no doubt, Hotshot. I mean, and I, that's one thing I still think about today is, you know, that's a tough blow for for a guy, you know, getting ready and won a job and, and then goes down and that gets to play a senior year. So Yeah, that was tough. That, that was very tough. I got to say this before, before we transition out of it. You know, uh, JC, you know, w- w- was a great quarterback. I mean, just, just the ultimate field general, had the respect of his peers, you know, of his teammates and the offensive huddle. I certainly went in the huddle with him, obviously, but y- you could tell he had command of it. And there was a lot, no of, a lot of personalities in that huddle that are sometimes uh, hard to get control of. And, and he was yeah. able to do it. He, he, was, he, was, he was great. And he was probably a more what you'd consider prototypical quarterback in the fact that he was going to a pocket passer, could stand in there tall, could really deliver, was a great baseball player also. I mean, a fantastic yeah. baseball player. But uh, that team had it all. I mean, we could throw it a little bit. We could certainly run it. Dog and, and Lane, you know, were, were as good a one-two combo as we oh, ever, yeah. ever. Uh, and so it was, uh, I think, one of the testaments, and you mentioned him earlier, he's passed away. The team was so good and so talented that Richard Culliver really didn't have a position. He played a lot of places uh, and, and right. got a lot of playing time. But a guy like that, I think there was one B-team game, Robbie, as a junior, that he they, they, they played him on B-team just to give him some reps. And he ran for like 270 yards up there one nice yeah. B-team game. But he very was fast, very talented. so good. I mean, and he's a nice-sized kid. And the fact that he couldn't really get a position to himself spoke volumes about the roster because he was good. He was really right. good. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, you're going back to uh, JC at quarterback, you know, Coach Coach Sasser made a lot of good moves over his career at uh, T.R. Miller, but, you know, the best move that he ever made was saving JC to his junior year playing quarterback by putting <laughs> me in there the sophomore year. So he was fresh, ready to go for two solid years. I mean, no no scars, no hurts or anything. So that was a good move. I tell you, it, 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 I, I, I'm not going to let this opportunity slide without saying this. <laughs> the beating that you took in 81 is uh, unlike anything I've ever seen anybody take. I, and I've told you this before. I've said this. I've gone on the record. You're the toughest SOB I've ever seen in my life. You weighed 115 pounds, and you got destroyed. I think my favorite I think my favorite memory is after Op had, had lacerated your kidney and made your lungs collapse, and you're laid up in the hospital, basically in a body cast, and Coach Sasser comes in and asks if you can go next week. Oh, yeah. He did. Brought the cheerleaders over to my house, and I was laying in bed. I had to move in, in about three days. And uh, when I went to the hospital that night, Dr. Philippi was on call. And 
daughter Philippa was probably about 80 years old at the time and it, I, you know and it was late at night so I got no help but uh, hey Buff can you go hey Buff hey, can you go, go? and he had a little grass in his mouth you know and, hey Buff can you go and I didn't know if he brought the cheerleaders there just to encourage me like they were going to be cheering for me or something but I just couldn't do it um, you, you ate through a straw for three days didn't you oh yeah I mean I couldn't move I was, I was basically in traction but uh it was tough. It was, the, I mean, well, it's funny you say that because I asked Coach, uh, Coach Riggs a couple of Wednesdays ago at church. I said, Coach, where are the Sperling boys now? And they kind of looked at me and paused and he said, I really don't know. But I was afraid he, <laughs> that he wasn't going to tell me because he thought I was going to go get them or something for what they did to me. No, no, no. No, you weren't going to go get them. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, uh, they, they really put a number on me that that, uh, that game up here. Hey, um, hey, a uh, couple of things uh, about some of the games that I remember. My, my memory is not quite as good as, as y'all's is, but um, going back to the Atmore game, you know, this was before with the Alabama High School Athletic Association before we had rules about running out on the field. And when Greg Staples hit Steve Lane, every T.R. Miller coach went running. And it was way out there, you know, out in the middle. And we all yep. ran out there because I just knew, as did Donnie and everybody, that this is not good. And, be- yeah. and, yeah. and, be- and before yeah, and before the game, I always just kind of sneak a peek or two down there on the other end, so, you know, look at, get a good look at their players and all. And I remember thinking to myself, we may win the game, but we do not want to get in a fight with these people. No, if, if we get in a fight, we're going to be in deep trouble. And that's what I'm thinking when I'm running out there on the field. And we get out there, and Steve, of course, is laid out over there, show you how tough he was eventually got up. But yeah. but we, we all run out there, and everybody's hollering, and we just kind of all formed a big circle out there. And Atmore was out there, and our guys were out there, and the coaches are all standing in front trying to push everybody back. Y'all get back, y'all get back, except one coach. And Jim Hart is hollering at Greg Staples, you sorry, blankety, blank, 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 blank. And and and, and I hear Mike Staffing out there, Jimmy, be quiet, be quiet. So that was <laughs> that. Yeah, that was that was Yeah, I remember Coach Hart being animated and upset out there. Oh, he was he was he was furious. He was furious about that. And then um and I don't know whether you remember this or not, Robbie, but we played Neil. We had a play over there near our bench goes on, and all of a sudden, chaos breaks out after the play. Yes, it was Dwayne Hammock, and he was going crazy. And I don't think crazy's strong enough word for 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 the fit he was throwing. And I was concerned as a defense coach, he's going to get thrown out of the game. So once again, I ran out on the field. And yanked him. You believe this or not? I grabbed him by the show pads, and I literally drug him off field. Now, I was young and strong in those days, and I could do that. But Dwayne claimed that one of the Neils players spit on him, and he was going to kill him. And I'm not going. I'm not going to say who that was. <laughs> but it's a famous name over there in East Bruton, anyway. And um, and Dwayne went absolutely crazy. And yeah. so I got him, and they didn't throw him out of the game. Now, in this day and time, they'd have thrown him out of the game. Uh, we'd have more people suspended for running out there on the field and doing stuff from the Atmore game and stuff 
it's just it's just completely changed. And then the other game I remember, if you remember, Robbie, I'd just come from OP, and I'd spent two years over there as assistant coach. So I'd coach a defensive back. So there in those days in OP, the way we played defense over there is we would line up in four or five different defenses, and we would run stunts. And we're just really aggressive at doing it. In those days, nobody's throwing the ball a whole lot. Everybody's in the wishbone or the eye formation or something like that. So um, what we would do, we would line up, and we'd line up in a 5-2, and we'd have four stunts. We ran out to 5-2. We'd line up a 4-4, and we'd have four stunts. We ran out to 4-4. Well, Hinton Johns was the head coach, and Hinton would tell Johnny Grimes, who was the assistant, tell Johnny what to run, and Johnny would signal it. So I sat there for two years and watched him do this. You know, I was coaching defensive backs. So Op comes over, playing in Bruton. The game starts. And about the second play of the game, I just happened to look over there to the Op sideline over there. And it was interesting in that I knew every player on the field because I had coached over there for two years, and obviously I was, I was coaching for Miller. I knew every kid that was on the field. And I just happened to look over to the sideline, and Johnny – he signals something like 5-2 rover fire. I stand there and I watch. They run 5-2 rover fire. And I thought to myself, you don't think they were crazy enough not to change their signals knowing I'm standing over here. <laughs> so I wait on the next play and he calls something, and sure enough, he did. So I sneaked down there by our offensive line coach, who always liked to have a little inside information. I don't know if you know that oh, yeah. about Coach Roger. But but he liked to have a little inside information, and he knew who to call to get it sometimes. But anyway, he uh, I, I said, hey, Donnie. And he said, what, what? <laughs> and I said, um, apparently they didn't change their signals. I said, I know everything they're calling on defense over. And he looked at me and said, you got to be kidding me. And I said, no. And so we were in the huddle, and the ball just happened to be over there on our hash mark right over there in the middle, right by the bench. And so I'm standing there, and I look at the next call, and they called 4-4 double-A gap stunt. And I said, hey, and we're in the huddle, fixing a breakout huddle. I said, hey, Donnie, they fixed run 4-4 double-A gap stunt, going to send both linebackers in the two-A gaps. Now, for people that don't know where that is, that's right up the center, on each side of the center. They're going to send a linebacker on a stunt both ways. And, and just as our offensive line got to the line of scrimmage, Donnie hollered, watch out for the double-A gap stunt. And when he said that, every kid on Ops team turned and looked at me. And I said, hey, guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> they should have changed the signals. So um, that, was a, that, was a, that was a pretty interesting uh, scenario. A couple of years later, when I went to be head coach in Op, and we played Miller, I knew everybody on the field again, too. Which is which is kind of an interesting scenario to be able to do, but I had a good time in '83. That was my first year. I called the defense. It's the first time I'd ever called anything. I was like my sixth year coaching. The first time I'd ever called, and I was not very good to start with, but um, I got a little better as time went on. But I had, we had a great group. You were right, Brad Grice was really good, and um, uh, we also uh, made a defensive tackle out of Randolph Harris. Uh, and he did. Made a good one. George Monroe could run and play linebacker. Mm-hmm. And, and and we you know, we were we were a pretty decent group. But we lived off offense that year. When you got Lane and Lewis, you need to handle the ball and we did.
you know, this, this doesn't have a, a whole lot to really do with anything other than just remembering it. You know, back in those days, most of the football games, all of our football games uh, here at Municipal Stadium kicked off at 730. But down in Atmore, the games always kicked off at 8. I don't know if y'all remember that or not, but they wanted to give the folks that worked at Standard Furniture and Baymanette a, a, a little extra time to get off that C-shift and get back to the game. Do y'all remember the games kicking off at 8 o'clock down in Atmore? Oh, yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. 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 We kicked off at Sunday. The States moved all the kickoffs to 7. They did that years ago. Coach Rick, you remember us kicking off at 730 here, don't you? We kicked off at 730. Oh, I re- yeah, I remember that here. Yeah, for 100 years. The reason that back in the 60s and all, everybody played at 8 o'clock. And the reason for it is most everybody worked at 5 o'clock. Yeah. And so they want to give people time to get home, yeah. get ready, drive wherever it is, and make the game. Yep. And, and so for yep. years and years, and they hung on to that in Mobile. When I when I coached in Mobile in 79 and 80 and so forth, all our games were at 8 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, they, they had uh, a big contingent of their fan base worked at Standard Furniture and Baymanette, and they wanted to give them a chance to get home and, and get changed and come up there and be a part of it. I did, Like I said, that had nothing to do necessarily. I just thought that was, it was <laughs> interesting that it was always 8 o'clock kickoff down there. I'll tell you something else I wanted to, to, to touch on real quick. And it had to do with the 82 team. It was just a great memory that involved our beloved Coach Reich. And, and I want to preface it by saying the, the kids from Robertsdale were just different. Uh, to me, they were like the kids from Alba. They, they were just they were just bad kids. I mean, they, <laughs> they were they were just they were they were rude. They were mean. Uh, I don't know. They didn't have good home training. But anyway, Robbie's <laughs> junior year, we're down there at Robertsdale, and this is this is the true story. <laughs> Things were very chippy, and they were going to be chippy. There was no way around it. But things really escalated because of our statisticians. Our statisticians were Steve Nelson, Robert (laughs) Mustrell, and Robbie Birch. And for some reason, I'm I'm a manager on this team, and for some reason, they're getting into it with the chain gang. You know, the chain gang, the high school football teams are just men from the community. You know, they're they're not sitting there by the state. That's just guys that got off work and going to do a little community service. Well, things started escalating there in the second half, and it started getting real chippy. And, and we're, we're winning the football game. It was a good football game. They had a great run back that night, Robbie. You remember him? I can't remember his name. but he, I, I can't remember his name, but he was good. Well, anyway, at the end of the game, Coach Pastor, and, and now I think you'll probably remember this, he got us all in a circle, and he put the managers in the middle. He told everybody to keep their helmets on, and we were running <laughs> off the field. We got to the gate. One of those guys put their hands on uh, Coach Slater. And Coach Slater, I was probably six feet from Coach Slater. He turned and looked at him, and he said, you better get your blankety-blank hand off me. <laughs> and the guy thought better of it, and he did. So we make it back to the locker room. And by this time, the chain gang had gotten some of the other dads in the community a little worked up and a little upset. And they had Coach Wright. You know, the, the dressing room was, what, 100 yards from the football field? Yeah. We there. They got Coach Wright out up against a brick wall. I mean, there's there's five or six of them, and they're kind of telling him, you know, what what might what, what's fixing to happen? You know, you know, you're fixing to, to pay for all this crap here. And Coach Rogers is pleading his case. I'll run and get Coach Sasser and say, Coach Sasser, Coach Rogers is in trouble outside. Somebody needs to go help him. Coach Sasser starts going that way, and by that time, uh, Clifton Hammock and Connie Teal had showed up on the scene. And when, those, when those two showed up, <laughs> even though numerically things weren't even, you can believe this. Things were even. It was even. It was even. At that point, Coach Rice looked around and he knew that Clifton was there. He knew that Connie was there. 
Big Bill Cosby said, hey, Hoss, what you want to do now? Oh, I can just hear him. You know. <laughs> two, two minutes before that, he was he was begging for his life. <laughs> that was a, a wild scene down in Robertsdale. It was it was, uh, and we'd had several good games with him over the years. You know, Coach Riggs and I had talked about being down there in the late seventies when we had uh, Dow and the coach showed, uh, shared some of the clips of that one. Those guys oh, yeah. that were chippy, but the fact that our statisticians started all of it, I don't know if that's ever happened in school history. Steve Nelson, <laughs> Robbie Birch, and Robert Luttrell started the whole thing. And especially those three. Yeah. yeah. You would never dream that. Yeah. yeah. So, well, DJ, I want to ask you one question. You've been asking questions. Uh, when you were the manager, I can't recall, did you manage in blue jeans? Well, I did because you did. And <laughs> you actually set the pace. You were the last manager that I remember wearing blue jeans for every game. So I tried to do that, but I did get to chafing at an early age. Those August and September games, as games started getting moved up early in the year, I went to the uh, more breathable short. So I didn't yeah. do everything like you did, but you were, uh, you were, you were, you were, you were the town's favorite manager for sure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask Zeke who was the best manager of you two. Well. Coach, Robbie had to run the balls in. I could throw them from the sideline. <laughs> Robbie had, you know, and when the ball was falling the far hash and, and him as slow as he is, there was often time to delay I would just throw it. Oh, goodness. Those were good old times. Good times. Good times. Yeah. All right, so, guys, let me let, – we, we, we kind of talked about this just briefly, but um, – David, you mentioned that um, you thought that if things had been different, that the A3 team would have run the roads in the playoffs down there. So um, uh, which team was better? Was the 83 team better than the 84 team? I think that all things being equal, I think the 83 team was the better team. I think the 83 team was the best team in the 80s. And I played on one of the teams that's on the list. And there, there was a lot of good teams in, in that in that uh, in that decade. I think the '83 team is the best team of the decade. I couldn't argue with that. We could, we could they do. Were great. We they could, were great. Yeah, we could do a lot of stuff. And you know, um, Bart Till mentioned this when we did the '84 team that we had such a really good senior class in '83, and so many of them played like you were talking about, David. That when we started in '84, we had a bunch of folks hadn't played before. Yeah, and it and yeah. it and, and it showed. Football players. Yeah, and they uh, really good football players. They weren't scabs. They were just on a loaded team. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'll uh, mm-hmm. interject on that. You, you know, when the '84 team won the state championship, <clears throat> I don't know about the other guys on our team, the '83 team, but I felt like that we were a part of that state championship team because we were so close knit. You know, yeah. those guys, Bart, Steve, James. Uh, all those guys, we're all best buddies. So, um, you know, you couldn't be but just proud for them. And I just felt like I was part of it because I was there that night, celebrated on the field with everybody else. And uh, But, uh, you know, I, I think there were two great teams. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Robbie. And I think that's a testament really to the entire program and the community. There weren't three people up there that cheered any harder for Taylor Middle that night than you, Jeff Chamberlain, and Hotshot. That's right. That's right. It's not a, you know, I've said this many times and told many people this, and I don't know if, you, if, if you're one of them, but years ago, 
uh, Scott Sasser wrote a letter and sent it to uh, Coach Riggs. And for years, it was on display in his office at the field house. I don't, I don't know if it's still out anywhere or not. But the way he worded that was, was just it, – it was perfect. And, and I'm, I'm, I'll certainly butcher it up. But it, it said something to the effect of the names uh, – the, 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 the years come and go, the names change, but the name on the back of the jersey stays the same. That's right. It's kind of been that way for years. I mean, if people, T.R. Miller people, pull for T.R. Miller, period. Absolutely. And Scott, uh, what Scott Scott said in that letter, you're right, DJ. What Scott said in the letter is that we're all the same team. All the same team. That was a, yeah. I mean, that's perfect, man. That's perfect. That's it. And, and you know, it's kind of like when when one team wins the state championship, they get a ring. You, you know, it's not feasible to do it, but it's like everybody who ever plays for T.R. Miller should get that ring because they were building the block at one time, you know. And that, and I, I go back, I think about my three years playing. Our first year um, in 81, we went two and eight. Then we went six and four. And then we went nine and one and debate, debating about being the best team of the 80s. So that's a testament to the guys in our class how we didn't. Just, you know, when you go two and eight, you, you know, you can just really give up. It's like, well, the next two years are going to be terrible. But, yeah. you know, we, we, we worked hard and, and became a really good team. Really good team. It was, uh, yeah, just a great team. A lot of fun. And, and Robbie, um, in all fairness, you were a pretty good player. You played strong you safety. And, and basically, we were pretty simple on defense. Basically, you decided where you were going to line up. You announced it to everybody. We we slanted everybody away from it, and that's basically what we did about eighty percent of the time down there. But um, you played strong safety, and you were a, a really really good competitor and a and a and a just a very very good defensive player. We had a bunch of them on that team, though, and you know the guys like John Brown. John Brown was a terrific player. He he was. John Brown was cover corner before they labeled it cover corner. He was a yeah. great defensive back. He and I think everybody was always in the right place when they were supposed to be there. And I, I think everybody just knew what to do and knew when to help somebody else out. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Hey, co- Coach, I've got the picture. I'm going to send it to you. I'll find <laughs> it at my mama's house. I'm going to send it to you, and I want you to, to, to post it as you will. But Robbie was a captain that night down at Atmore. In those days, Atmore sent out their two, and we sent out our two. And three of the four played in the SEC that uh, uh, year later, and I'll let you decide which one did. It's one of the pictures in the history of Terry Miller football. There are three guys out there that are 6'5", 240 pounds, and there's one guy that's 5'7", 135. It's a great picture. Yeah, but I was he, really, really intimidated walking out there. <laughs> well, I saw it. It looked like I remember, you know, being on the sidelines, getting the stuff ready. And I remember uh, seeing a, a liquid-like substance run down your leg as you were coming off the field. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you were drooling or, or, or what was going on. <laughs> I don't know. It was just kind of like floating out there. Yeah, that was a, but that was, I'll never forget that. I, I can't remember if it was. Staples of whoever for Atmore, and of course, uh, yeah. Lee and Robbie go out for us. And there was three full grown men, and then one very small man out there in the coin pocket. Like, uh-oh. but Robbie stuck his nose in there, he didn't back up for the boys. That- <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> oh, well, I tell you, well, y'all are right about one thing, too. Um, 
I had a great time coaching. That was my first year to come back to Bruton. I'd been gone for basically a decade, and um, I had the best time uh, just because, you know, I like their guys on the team, you know, I knew their families, um, you know, and I got to get back with a lot of folks in Bruton, and, you know, you know how it is when you when you first come back and start coaching, you know, and everybody, they'd see me around town somewhere, and they want all the inside scoop, you know, on the team, and and all those kind of things. And I just I just had the best time coaching in in, in eighty three and eighty four and eighty five when I was a an assistant there. It was just a great place to work and a great place to, to coach. We were competitive every week and um, we had some 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 fun guys and we had some crazy guys. And and it was just it was the whole thing was just pretty interesting and uh, i was just very very fortunate i'll say this too that uh, mike sasser let me coach and um, he let me try things taught me a lot of football and taught me a lot about you know how to handle yourself during games and 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 so forth and i'm always appreciative to him for what he did to me but i for for me but i i had a great great time uh coaching especially the 83 team in particular those were those were great days, and I will tell you this, Coach Riggs, and, 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 and I don't think this can be said enough. I play a lot of golf with these guys, you know, family trips or, or hunting trips, whatever it is. They love you as a defensive coordinator. They love you. I'm telling you, they, they you probably you were kind of the motivator of the staff. You know, everybody kind of has a role, but you you got to have that guy that gets everybody juiced up. And I certainly, you know, as, as a 13 or 14 year old being in there uh in the locker room at different times i mean you were that guy i mean you you were the you were the, you were the ones that you were the one that got them going and they loved loved players to you they loved it uh, I, I i was privileged to sit there for 10 friday nights and get to listen to them those those motivational speeches right before the game and i'll never forget them coach and that's like i told you i still use those words you said then today to to make it through a, a hard time well it's it was it was just a good time and uh, like I said, uh, it's a lot of good people involved in that. And everybody wanted us to do well. There, there wasn't selfishness out there. You know, uh, Miller, Miller went and was number one with everybody. That's what we wanted to, that's what we wanted to happen and to, and to make happen. And uh, so we're just really, really fortunate to uh, do that. And the, uh, the 83 team is one of the greatest teams in the uh, history of Miller football and, and should be remembered and, uh, should be honored as well. So, um, uh, guys, I appreciate y'all coming on and doing this. This has been fun. Like I said, Robbie, I know you keep up with a lot of the guys. Some of them still around town and different places. Uh, and it's hard to believe that it's been 40 years. It really is. It, that, that's hard to believe. For, for, right, for, Coach, for, I, I appreciate you having me on tonight. And I appreciate the kind words from both of you about uh, me and my teammates and um, – uh, it was just a, an honor to be a T.R. Miller Tiger and play for him. I, I still get chill bumps when I ride by Bruton Municipal Stadium. And, and remember 40-something years ago, I was out there at one time. And uh, glad I'm not out there right now. But, uh, <laughs> but I had a really good time and a lot of good memories. Absolutely. Okay, guys, listen. Thank you very much. Appreciate y'all coming on. Uh, this is the number 13 team of all time at T.R. Miller, the 1983 T.R. Miller Tigers. This has been A Minute with Coach Riggs. Till next time, see you. 